For sports content from the biggest leagues and competitions across the world, look no further than Reuters Connect, Reuters online news content platform. Reuters Connect makes finding the sports content you need easy, whether it's in-depth reporting from Reuters journalists or access to video highlights from around the world. Bring the world of sport directly to your workplace with Reuters Connect. For more information and a free trial, visit ReutersConnect.com. Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week, we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rulemakers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Sports professor Rick Haro inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports with an interview with probably the best coach in the history of college football, Nick Saban. If you don't think so, you name a better coach. But today's not on-field issues. It's some of the stuff that Nick Saban is proudest of. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, deal-making issues 3-1. Three to one. Three. Daniil Medvedev stuns Djokovic 6-4, 6-4, still tied with the big three competitors, Nadal, Federer, 20 Grand Slams. He said it was... A final that was disappointing to him, quite clearly. But Medvedev had 11 hours and 51 minutes on court compared to Djokovic's 17 hours and 26 pressured-packed minutes. But here's the issue. The issue is the money raised, the deal issues, and the bottom line is there is more and more dollar funding available for the USTA, the plan for growth a significant economic impact of over a half billion dollars over time. Last year, no crowds. That's the real winner. That's deal-making issue number three. Two. College football. Big 12 adds BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. They formally accept invitations to join the conference. Bottom line is rubber stamping the membership very quickly. And just like 10 years ago when television was the joker and wild card that moved things around this year it is nil and gaming and a whole host of other revenues and the tv contracts bottom line is this is a conference musical chairs that we will continue to see over time one well we talk about the big 12 but how about the sec and the longhorns and sooners they have to wait for the big 12's grant of rights to expire after 2024-25 or pay fines that could reach 80 million dollars it's all about television in the meantime texas has their hat and cattle handed to them by arkansas 40 to 21 victory 333 yards rushing for arkansas welcome to the sec Certainly a super conference. Here's a guy who has gone 167 and 23 at the University of Alabama with an 879 percentage at the beginning of this year. Well, that's great. And he continues to improve on it. It seems like Alabama and then everybody else, a well-oiled, fine-tuned machine. But Nick Saban started playing at Kent State, then head coach Toledo, Michigan State, LSU, Miami Dolphins, destined to be a college coach, and that's what he is. Seven national championships, nine SEC championships, a MAC championship. But this interview 
is off-the-field issues. He was gracious enough to give us more time than we ever expected talking about his dad, Pop Warner, growing up in West Virginia, and what it means to give back. Especially important after September 11, the beginning and next step in the college football season, and we've done this before, so we need a reprise on the virtues and the value and the significance that's Nick Saban. Here he is. So Pop Warner football was a big part of your dad's life. Tell us what you remember about growing up in West Virginia and being your, your dad's son, basically. Yeah. Well, you know, I had great parents. I was very fortunate. But uh, any, any, anyone out there that their dad has been their coach, you know, that, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's an experience yeah. in and of itself. But my dad actually started Pop Warner football in our area in West Virginia. And it was a difficult area because we had like seven coal mining towns that were up in hollows and the players had a heart. They couldn't get to practice because we all got around hitchhiking, you know. I mean, and if the shift didn't change, there wasn't much traffic. So um, a lot of them didn't play sports. Uh, They didn't have the opportunity to get some of the lessons, life lessons that you can learn from playing sports. So my dad bought this little orange school bus, all right, and it had all these quotes like it's, you know, things that would help you be successful, like it's more important to be uh, nice than it is to be important, you know, things like that. that Did he buy the bus with the quotes on him or he put them on there? No, he put them all on there. (laughs) Uh, But we would go to practice, he would go pick up everybody in all these hollows, take them to practice, we would practice, you know, take everybody home, take about 45 minutes and course I was the first one on the bus and the last one off because that was home that was the home stop he really taught us the importance of work ethic investing in your time and something rather than spending it Uh, you reap what you sow perseverance and how you have to continue to learn from your failings uh, how to overcome adversity you know discipline to do things right I mean the, the old saying that I say all the time, you're going to suffer through one or two things in life, the pain of discipline or the pain of disappointment, that, that was on the bus. <laughs> it was there. <laughs> all right? So all these things go way back. Yeah. But the opportunities that that created, I mean, I know he had, uh, not outside of myself, three players that you know made All-American at West Virginia University and graduated from college and had a lot better lives, and, and they may not never have participated uh, if it wasn't for that. And, and I'm sure that if you ask any of them, they would say, just like me, that a lot of those things that I learned playing, the value of athletics is really, really important to developing a lot of the characteristics that help you be successful in life. Pride in performance, overcoming adversity. I mean, all kinds of things as a competitor that makes you have a much better chance to be successful in life. Your dad instilling uh, important uh, values with you and the sayings on the bus, but how did he and Pop Warner impact how you coach, how you coached before and how you coach today? Well, I, I think because I started at an early, early age and the importance was always on fundamental execution. I mean, we, we, we won a whole bunch of games in a row. Like, I can't even remember how many. 
We didn't win any the first year, but after that we won them all. Uh, and, but all, the emphasis was always on fundamental execution, how well you block, how well you tackle, um, and it was technical. You know, you had to technically do yeah. it correctly, yeah. which was the safest way to do it too, which yeah. was important. All right, so, and to this day, you know, with all these schemes that everybody runs and RPOs and spread and this and that and all that, we're still always talking about fundamental execution. You know, if we can block better and we can tackle better and we can do the fundamental things more correctly, play better as a team, play together better as a team, um, execute. You know, I mean, that's what we they preached, you know, to us. Because we didn't probably have a whole lot of plays. You know, my sister's here because she has a grandson that goes to our camp, yeah. you know, right now. Yeah. Uh, and she has the playbook. It's simple, yeah. pretty simple. But, but we won on execution, and I still believe in that. Well, and, and the interesting thing as far as the dynamic of Pop Warner, even today in building the brand, it's, it's standing for consistency, certain values, safety as well. So you said safe. Talk about that for a little, for a little while. Well, you know, we've, we've actually done something here, and we have a camp for young uh, kids, 8 through 12, I think it is, where most people just have high school camps and try uh, to use them to recruit. We're really trying to promote our game. But we're also trying to develop coaches. And one of the things we've done in this young camp is we bring in a lot of Pop Warner coaches. We invite a lot of Pop Warner coaches to come in. And the primary reason is is we want to teach them you know, some technical aspects that will make the game safer for the players. Uh, and tackling is a big one. Uh, you, know, you know, we teach near leg, near shoulder tackling, not hitting with your head. Yeah. All right, well, that's really, really important. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I think it makes the game safer. I think there's a lot of ways that you teach drills, all right, where players don't have to be on the ground, all right, and they can use their their hands rather than their head right, to minimize contact. Uh, and, I, and I think a lot of these things are really, really important. Um, most players that get hurt in football get hurt on the ground. You know, somebody's rolling around on the ground and somebody else falls on them or whatever. So to stay off the ground and teach people how to stay up, um, th these are all things that I think promote safety in the game. And, and I think the biggest mistake that we make in football is you don't have to have full contact to be able to get the benefit from the game. Yeah. You know, there, the, the, you, you can go out and, and practice seven on seven. Uh, you can practice routes on air. You can practice one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you can practice a lot of things and get a lot out of the game of football without having to have contact. And, and I think there's uh, certainly... Uh, been a lot of studies done yeah. on how much contact young people before they're 12 years old should have. Yeah. Uh, and I think we should all uh, take all those things into account. And uh, we are going to do everything we can to promote better education in the coaches to teach the players safety in our game. As opposed to the politicizing, give up football, I'm not allowing my kids to play, it sounds like the secret sauce is the education early on. Well, that's, that's what we believe in yeah. uh, because I think football is the greatest team game that there is, yeah. and um, I don't think it's a dangerous game, uh, but I think that it can be if it's not coached where people are doing the fundamentals correctly. 
uh, and and not putting their players in positions where they're going to get multiple you know head banging I that could you know promote you know issues yeah. uh, and I don't think that we have to do that to have a good game and I don't think you have to do that to be a good coach and there's a lot of these old-fashioned bow-in-the-ring type drills <laughs> that have no place in football yeah. right that nobody needs to do uh, and that's one of the reasons that uh, we want to get as many of these coaches here and try to show them a better way uh, that they can be more effective in their teaching progression and actually create more safety for the player. Let's talk about the better way off the field. The Knicks Kids Foundation, what you've done with Terry as far as some of the issues, not only the capital improvements, but the tornado relief in Tuscaloosa. Talk about all of that from your perspective. Well, you know, that goes back to my dad, too, yeah. uh, because he didn't just pick these kids up yeah. uh, in that bus and take them to practice. You know, he sort of adopted them all. Yeah. All right, so when their basketball blew up, he took them to town and got them another one. Yeah. Uh, when the, the rim at the church wasn't shootable yeah. anymore, he got him a new one. My mom always said, if you ever have the opportunity, you know, your dad's legacy was to help young people. You know, do something to do that. So Nick's Kids stands for Big Nick, not Little Nick. I'm Little Nick. All right, but Miss um, Terry uh, and the people who support Nick's Kids have done a phenomenal job of, uh, I think, being able to create uh, a lot of positive things in our community. You know, we've done the 17 for 17, which is 17 homes that uh, we've rebuilt since the tornado for every national championship, and our players have contributed to each one of those homes. You know, we have day, yeah. player days where they come and work and uh, they give back to the community as well. We've uh, given over $7 million to um, children's organizations in the Southeast um, over the last, you know, 10 years. Um, you know, we, we, we do first-generation scholarships, uh, community center at the church. Um, we're building a juvenile school with the the juvenile delinquent center um, to promote education graduating from high school and teaching a welding trade so these guys aren't repeat offenders they have something they can do in the community so um, all these things give us tremendous positive self-gratification by giving back helping other people um, don't really feel much that we do that makes us feel better than we when we uh, help someone else and you know my dad's old saying was no man stands as tall as when he stoops to help a child so um, that's what we tried to carry on and um, we're going to try to continue that in the future and we certainly thank all the people who have supported Nick's kids. And the first scholarship that Pop Warner ever named after a person specifically was Nick Saban's scholarship, and it's not you, it's your dad. It's my right? dad. How does it make that's you right. feel? That's, that's great. It makes yeah. me feel great yeah. because it's, uh, it's all a part of his legacy. You know, it's all the things that was important to him, um, and I hope that, you know, people appreciate and remember that. How do you make sure that your kids, you recruit and have an obligation long-term, do the right thing, say the right thing, behave the right way off the field as well? Well, um, you know, our whole goal in the program here is to help our players be more successful in life uh, for having been involved in the program. So, you know, their thoughts, their habits, their priorities, the choices and decisions they make 
are going to go a long way to helping them create value. And that starts with the kind of person that they are, um, the kind of character they have, the kind of integrity they have, um, the kind of trust uh, you can have in them. Uh, and that all comes from um, the basic values that we try to establish that they have to buy into to really play and be to the standard as a person, as a student, and as a player that we would like for them to be. And um, we try to create a culture of accountability for them to do that. Um, but I'm very pleased and proud with the success that we've had. But those same things, just so everybody's clear, uh, I had the opportunity to learn when I played Pop Warner. And I think that's the one thing that everybody should really, really focus on is if we don't have these kind of sports opportunities for our young people, where do they learn these things and what they do now? And, um, you know, in some cases, you know, kids don't even play outside anymore. Yeah. All right, but they will go outside for organized activities. And I think these organized activities, the commitment, the work ethic, the discipline, the focus, uh, all the things that you, you mentioned are really important. And where do you get that if you don't participate in something? You're on the greatest leaders in the history of the world list from Fortune Magazine. It is kind of interesting. How much of that was intuitive? And how much of that is just learned from heroes and history? And you know, where does that all come from? Well, I think it started when I was young. And I think it started with the lessons I learned from my parents. Yeah. Uh, they had a high standard and high expectation. Uh, but they also had tremendous compassion for other people. And it was always instilled in me that uh, you need to set a good example. You need to be somebody that somebody can emulate. Uh, that was the expectation. But there was also an expectation there that you have to care enough for other people to help them for their benefit. And the combination of those two things, I think, is the start, fundamental start of being a leader because those two things are really important parts of being able to impact other people. And it was always about just do it for one person. I think a lot of people think leadership has to be a group dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's the power of one. It's one person affecting one person who affects another person and then it just grows. Uh, so I think it started at an early age for me. Uh, and then I think I was really fortunate that I had some great mentors, you know, my high school coach, Earl Keener, Don James, my college coach, okay. fabulous, you know, example of what you needed to do to be successful and to be a good leader. Um, and so I feel very, very fortunate with those opportunities and then the opportunities I had as a coach to impact other people in a leadership position. And, um, that's the one thing that I think I'll miss most about coaching is not being a part of a team and not being able to lead and impact other people uh, when the day comes that I can't do this, which I hope is not soon. You're a leader, you're a businessman, you're a philanthropist, you're a coach. How do you balance all of that? You know, I think all those things are just part of who we are. I mean, Terry and I both. Right. Uh, and she does a lot of the work. Um, I just do a lot of the fundraising. 
<laughs> you do more than that. Okay, so. <laughs> Don't minimize it. You do more than that, okay? So, uh, but, but. Well done. But we're going we're to save this. We're going to give it to Terry. She'll see it. Yeah. She'll love this. So, but it is what I believe and what I want to do. Yeah. It just is hard to implement from a time standpoint. And she's a great partner to do that. And we have a lot of other people who've been very supportive from that side of it. But I've always remembered that this is my day job. All right, this yeah. is the real job, being a coach, having great relationships with the players, you know, recruiting good players into the program, bringing good people in the organization and helping them develop uh, to be successful is going to help us be successful. And um, we've always stayed focused on that. And we've been fortunate to have good partners, whether it's Terry and Nick's kids or, you know, Joe um, Agressi, my partner, mm -hmm. and, you know, some of the businesses and other folks that they manage that. You know, I, I, I don't take my time to do that um, because my priority is this program and our players and that's what we're going to stay focused on and um, then we're going to build a team of people to help us do the other things that we believe are important to the community and um, to our overall welfare and well-being of our family. It's kind of fun to end on this. So Minka Fitzpatrick writes a kind of farewell long letter. He says, thank you, Alabama. And he said, I chose Alabama because I wanted to be at a place that would push me to become the best version of myself I could possibly be, and man, did it ever. You read something, you hear something like that, and I'm sure it makes you proud. No doubt, I mean, it really does. And that's what we want for our players. We want them to have a great experience here, feel like they've grown as people, uh, and that they have a better chance to be successful in life on and off the field. Um, and um, I think Minka probably is one of those guys that will be a tremendous ambassador because yeah. of the experience he had here. And I think that's a basic fundamental part of having great tradition, which has always been something that makes Alabama special. Well, as you continue to go through the maelstrom of college football as it evolves, you don't need me or anybody else to say this, but just stay the way you are. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you, Rick. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Everybody knows Nick Saban has a tremendous perspective on football. People may not know about his off-field issues and the passion. That interview will give you a clue. Let's give you the Tech Minute. Gronk, set to sponsor a cryptocurrency firm called Voyager. Brokerage firm Voyager Digital brand ambassador Gronk ahead of the season. He appears in social media campaigns for Voyager and hosts a live stream event with the company later this season. Also plans to release a non-fungible token, NFT with Gronkowski on it. And back in March, Gronk released his own NFT collection, sold for roughly $2.8 worth on all of the cryptocurrency currencies. This past April, Voyager bought a full-season suite ticket package from the Oakland A's for one Bitcoin. It's his first crypto transaction completed by an MLB club, setting another marketing standard. By the way... If five years ago you would have said the sports tech minute would be dominated by Rob Gronkowski, <laughs> not really, but there it is. Finally, the good sports minute. Good sports issues all over the map. Maya Cheka becomes the first black woman, Chaka, to officiate an NFL game. Privilege that she was chosen, she said, but it's not really a privilege. She's very well qualified. A health and physical education teacher at Renaissance Academy in Virginia Beach since 2006. Chris Bosch, Paul Pierce, inducted into the NBA Hall of Fame 
this last uh, weekend. They never got around to returning the ring until Saturday's ceremony. All of his championship rings were on the table, but then the one he won in 2006 to Bosch with a simple message, give it back to me when we went together. <laughs> That's an interesting sidelight with Chris Bosch and LeBron James. Is that recruiting? Well, maybe, but it doesn't matter. Daniel Ricciardo wins the Italian Grand Prix, his first podium finish since leaving Red Bull. The Aussie was to control the grid. He also uh, was part of a charity give back, which was really significant for the sport. And transgender MMA fighter Alana McLaughlin wins her debut match via submission. Began training a year ago and cleared to fight by the Florida State Boxing Commission, having her hormones uh, uh, levels tested per ESPN. A lot of issues every week. Those will be continual front and center. Well, we'd like to thank Nick Saban for his ongoing humility and his ability to help us tell the story. I'd like to thank all of you who helped put this podcast together and all who watch and listen. And join us next time when we go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm your sports professor, Rick Hart. Action Images is the global multimedia sports agency of Reuters. Leagues, teams and federations around the world rely on Action Images to create, distribute and monetize their content. Action Images' global footprint means sports media expertise is never far away. For more information, visit actionimages.com.